Welcome, welcome. Well, I want to say hi to you at home that, are, that uh, slept in and had anniversaries. And so, hello. And uh, anniversaries in the house. I know uh, got some big ones coming up. What, what year, Josh? Eight. Eight years. Tomorrow. Very cool. Alex and Pam, what's, what, you have an anniversary right around now? Yeah, Tuesday. This coming Tuesday? Yeah. How many? Let's see. 42 years. 42 years. Wow. Well done. Well done. That's awesome. Hey, we're going to open up our Bibles to Second uh, Peter this morning. So I invite you to do that. If you need a Bible, uh, please uh, raise your hand. We... We're going to be in the Word today, and so it would be nice for you to be able to follow along. So just raise your hand. We'll get you one. Peter writing this book from prison because of his faith. It's probably within that year that he writes this book that he'll be actually put to death for believing in Jesus. It's a concept that we don't really get here in America right now, but there are people that are martyred for their faith even today around our world. And so, yeah. It's a privilege to be able to come to a place and actually say, yeah, I need a Bible today. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to pull out just a piece of it because that's all we have. But we have the Bible. All right. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We're just going to jump right in this morning. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Well, church, I have good news and I have bad news. Okay? You ever hear that phrase when someone says, hey, I have good news and I have bad news? How many of you in here would say, okay, when that happens to you, you say, will you just tell me the bad news first? Because I want to end on good stuff. Okay, raise your hand. Let's be real. Okay. I want to make sure that all of you raise your hand. So we have it on video. Okay. All right. So you want to hear the bad news first? Show me again. Okay. Man, that's a lot of us. That's, that's me. Who wants to hear the good news first? Okay, so we have a couple of you. Okay. All right. Well... Sorry, Patty and Ken. I'm going to do it the opposite. I'm going to give you the bad news first. Because I want to personally end on a, in a good place and not in a bad place. So here's the good news. Oh, actually, here's the bad news. Well, the good news is, I mean, Bill, you walk in with your Mariner jersey. That's good news. If you're a sports fan. If you're not a sports fan, it doesn't matter. If you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, it's bad news. So here's the bad news. According to Peter right here, that we live in a corrupt world. It's not really news to us today, is it? I heard somebody say, I knew that. <laughs> yes, we live in a corrupt world. So Peter is just making that point. Do we live in a corrupt world today? Do we need evidence of that? We actually don't. You can just uh, see. I mean, in this room, I look around, I don't see any issues. But if you just open the newspaper, or Google, yeah, what's that? Or Google, Google News, um, whatever, whatever news feed you get. I, I looked at a couple headlines this week, and it's like heartbreaking, because I, I 
for several months now, I've pretty much just stayed away from the news. Highlight stuff, I watch a little bit of Hurricane Ian stuff because I have friends that have houses down there. Um, but I also uh, have a friend who's in the news down there and he was help covering it. Um, and so I was kind of checking that out. But as far as that, I've really kind of stayed away from the news. And the only news I've been really running to is, uh, is the good news. Um, so, so it's just shocking sometimes to read some of these headlines. This week, did you hear about the Thailand uh, daycare massacre? Um, a daycare, kids sleeping, it was nap time. And a man went in with a knife and a gun and killed 24 kids while they were sleeping. Brutal. Debt. The U.S. debt has spiraled to a record $31 trillion. There's a mom in Coney Island who drowned her three kids. Man, you read this stuff and you're just like, wow, we do live in a broken world. We live in a world that's corrupted by sin, right? Heather was telling me about a headline. Um, I'll just read it. Bible prophecy is meant to be comforting. How many of you would say that? Like when you read God's word and you read about the plans that God has for us and the plans that he has for us in the future, it's comforting. Or at least it should be. But check this out. Bible prophecy is meant to be comforting. End Times Expert reacts to the CNN article. Did you see the CNN article? That The article is, Christians suffer from rapture anxiety. Now, I thought it was a joke at first. When she read that to me, I thought, that's a joke. It's a real thing. It's mainly for people who were in the church and heard about Jesus coming back and no longer are really walking with Jesus anymore, but they still are suffering from, he's coming back. And so it causes anxiety, causes worry. It causes um, almost panic in some people. For those of us that believe in Jesus, his return should be comforting. Because we are in a corrupt, broken world. And when Jesus comes back, what does the word say? He will bring a new heaven and a new earth to us. And he will reign. And when, when Jesus reigns, it's not corrupt. It's not broken anymore. Man, that's, that should not cause us worry and anxiety. Now, if you're not walking with Jesus, if you are opposing God, that should worry you and cause anxiety. I'll just tell you that. Because you are not with him. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus was very clear. The loving Jesus was very clear. That if you aren't with him, then you are against him. You're in, there's no chance for you to cross over to eternal glory. You will live eternally, but you will live without God. And that's just something that you, I can't get my mind around. I mean, we live in a world with God now even. Even though the Bible says it's, it's like looking into a mirror. It's kind of, uh, you know, mirror is hazy. There's mist. We can't quite figure it all out, but he's here with us. Now imagine a, a world without him at all. I mean, at all, at all. That's what hell is like. And to live eternally that way. And so that's what causes anxiety 
Because I really believe deep, deep down in each one of us, and the Bible says this as well, that we know that there is a God. We know it. In fact, Romans says, man, I could just walk through. We live in the woods. We drive through woods all the time. I love it. And you just see God's creation. We, in fact, we on the way to church this morning, there's a spot between Burnett and Buckley um, that opens up and it's all pasture. And you can see five layers of mountains slash hills. And the sun was coming up right there. It was coming up. It was barely up. And it was foggy over the pasture land. And I literally swerved over. There's a parking spot on the other side of the road. And I just swerved the car over and I heard this, what are you doing? I don't know if that was me personally saying that in my mind or if that was Heather talking. Uh, but I just pulled over and said, we just got to stop here for a moment and look at his creation. And the Bible says that when we see that, there's something that stirs inside that there's something bigger, something greater out there than just us. That's the good news. But we do live in a corrupt, broken world, and that's what Peter is trying to remind them about. That, yeah, our world is broken. Our world is corrupt. Has it always been this bad? Yeah, it has. Now, over and over again, when Jesus was creating the world, you guys know that Jesus was the creator. It says it in Colossians. It says it multiple times. Jesus was like the creator part of with. I mean, with the Trinity, I know we can't get our, I'm not going to preach on the Trinity today. We can't get our heads around that. But as he created the heavens and the earth, every time he would create something, what did he say? Man, this is good. He didn't say, this is awesome. I use that word all the time. Because usually when we say good, we've almost taken the word good and made it mediocre. Like, hey, how was your dinner? Oh, it was good. Oh, really? I'm so sorry. No, I said it was good. I use the word awesome way too much. So it was good, the Bible says. When man, when man was created and placed in the Garden of Eden, which I love Gil's take on the Garden of Eden, that, that God is restoring us as, as Christians, that when you become a believer in Christ, that he is restoring us back to Eden, to that place where God walks with us every single day. I love, I love that. Restoring us back to beauty. It wasn't a location problem in the garden. It wasn't an environmental problem. It wasn't a political problem. It wasn't a cultural problem in the garden. I mean, the environment was perfect. The, po the political environment, if you want to go there a little bit, it was perfect. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords walked with them every single day. That is the most precious scripture and the saddest scripture in one. It's the good news and bad news in one scripture in Genesis chapter 3. When it says the, the Lord came to walk with him in the cool of the day, that's the time you go sit on your back porch and you just take a deep breath like, okay, that was a day. And the Lord was coming to walk with them, but they had sinned, right? And they were hiding from him. It wasn't any outside issues or what that caused them. It was an internal battle. It's a sin issue. 
The world is corrupt because it's a sin issue. It's not an environmental issue. It's not a political issue. It's a sin issue. Peter tells us the corruption of this world is caused by, it's like brought to you by, <laughs> evil desires. Now there's this movement even in our world today that, that we're good. We're okay. We're fine. We don't need anybody else. We just, we're good. Mankind is good. I don't see it. I see spots of goodness. And overall, though, I don't see it. In case you're wondering, like, well, is it, is really the world really corrupt? Is, is it really caused by evil desires? So it's not environmental, it's not political, it's not my location. Is it really caused by my own evil desires? I just want to read the word to you this morning about what the Bible says about it. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way to death. And I think James says it the most clear. When tempted, James chapter 1, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does the, he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they grow up in a really bad place. No, it's not a location issue. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. Now we might ask the question, God, why don't you just wipe out evil? I've asked that question. And Timothy, <laughs> Timothy Keller, who is a pastor who's actually really struggling physically right now, he's got stage four uh, cancer. He is a, an amazing pastor in Manhattan, New York. And he wrote this book called The Reason for God. And he covers this. And I remember I read the book. I read a book. Um, and I remember what stood, stood out to me on that whole chapter. This is his conclusion, and I think it's very biblical. If God is going to destroy evil, then he needs to destroy any potential of evil. Does that make sense? Okay, so if God is going to destroy evil, then he, and he's God, he can see ahead. He needs to destroy all potential of evil as well. Otherwise, evil is, evil is going to pop up. So then you just walk that out theologically in our mind. So if God destroys evil and any type of potential of evil, guess what happens to mankind? We're done. We're done. And James says it's our own evil desires that entice us. And then after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift, here's some good news. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father 
of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he has made. A lot of bad news. Ready for good news? I want to spend more time on good news than I spend on bad news. Okay. I don't want to be like the regular news and for 55 minutes to just bombard you with. It's hopeless. And then the last, the last three minutes is the puppy, you know. Hey, they just, they come. yeah, it's the puppy thing. And you, leave, and you leave watching the news like, hey, that was pretty good. I saw puppies. And it makes you forget everything else. So here's some good news. Our God meets us in our brokenness, where we are. And I know so many people that are, are waiting for them to, you know, I want to go to church. I want to have a relationship with God, but I just need to take care of a few things. I'm not ready inside here. I need to kind of clean myself up a little bit before that happens. And I'm just going to tell you, if you're watching from home, if you're in this house, you can't do enough. And that's why Jesus came for us. That's the good news. That he meets us right where we are at in our brokenness. In our pain, and our struggle. God knows our hearts have been turned away from him. So he sent Jesus to make things right again. James tells us that God chose to give us life. Did you capture that? That he chose to give us life. And he calls us his first fruits. Now, for us, I mean, we're not agricultural here. First fruits off the tree are the, are the best. Because the tree has spent all its time in the previous year preparing for that first harvest. And so you pull those first fruits off, they're the best. I like to say they're the bestest. Because that's what... He sees when he sees us. He calls us his first fruits. Romans says we've all messed up big time. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it also says in Romans that those, the wages of, of us messing up, yeah, the wages of us, the, the conclusion of us being sinners is death. That's bad news. Actually, I take that as good news. I do. I take that as good news because God is saying, hey, I need you to pay attention here. The way you're going as mankind, as humans, as you walk through individually in life, the way that you're going is not going to lead you to life in me. It's going to lead you to death. But the gift of God, Romans chapter 6, 23 says. And I want to read it out of the Amplified Version the Collins got me on the Amplified Version, so I've actually been reading out of it quite a bit. Amplified Version will take the original language that the Bible was written in because, you know, we say a word and it just means we say love and it just means for us love. I love pizza. I love my car. I love my wife. And my wife is like, you love pizza and you love, you know. No, it's different, right? It's different. So the Amplified Version will give you a little bit of taste of the different of what that word means culturally and also what it meant in the original. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers. 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. Now, for those of us that believe in Jesus, he has offered us not only life now, but life forevermore. We cannot get our minds over, around, over, around, under, however, eternity. It doesn't make sense to us. Because we are bound by time, but God is not bound by time. For those of us that believe in him, he's given us eternal life. Yes, left to our own, we'll completely go astray and we'll, we'll go the wrong direction. You ever hang out with somebody who's directionally challenged? Anybody? Oh, don't raise your hand. Oh, I saw, I saw pointing. I saw pointing. Um, you know, you go into a restaurant, and then when you come out, you go this way, and they go that way. Like, I think we're parked over here. You know, I, I, yeah, I've done that. I've gone the wrong, wrong direction. The great thing about that, when you're like, you go into a store, and you forget where your car is. Anybody do that? Like, no, nobody in here? Well, I do once in a while. Like, I forgot where I parked. I got this button on my car. That's, that's exactly what I do. I just set the alarm off. The poor, poor guy walking in front of me is like, whoa, what happened? But I just set my alarm off. I'm like, oh, it's over there. I just, just real quick. I've only done it like three or four times this week. Um, <laughs> no, total. I've only done it three or four times. But yeah, you just get so focused getting out of your car, getting into the store, and you come back out, and you get the stuff, and you're like, boy, do I feel dumb right now. <laughs> And so, yeah, you find your car. Because usually, instinctively, we go the wrong direction as human beings. And that's why Jesus came, because he came to show us the way. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Everything you do, amplified version here, everything you do, Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will show you which way to go. Man, if, that, if you're just trying to figure out where you're supposed to go in your life right now, can I just say, trust in the Lord. Let me say that louder. Trust in the Lord. In all your comings and goings in your life right now, invite him along. Now, he's with you always. But when I say invite him along, for you personally to, to have that mindset like, all right, Lord, you're with me. God, you're with me. And I trust you. And the Bible says that when we do that, he'll make our, straight, our path straight. Notice it didn't say, I mean, I've, I've been on straight roads that are a little bumpy, you know, but he'll make our path straight. I want to read the passage out of 2 Peter one more time. His divine power has given us everything we need for life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in his divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Anybody ever been to an escape room? I'm curious. An escape room. So, so some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, which is, okay. So, but, okay. When I ask you a question, here's some, don't, please don't do this. 
I'm short. I can't see that hand. Okay. <laughs> Escape room. Anybody? A few of you. Okay. And then some of you, I'm going to get more hands if like, you have no idea what an escape room is. Okay? All right. People pay money to go to a room, and it's usually themed, and they give you clues, and they tell you you have 60 minutes to get out. Otherwise, we fill it with gas, and you're No, no. You have 60 minutes to get out, and then, and it's, and it's kind of a fun, I think it's fun. To me, it's like, it would stress me out. Anxiety, panic, worry, especially if you're, and they have a clock in there, and it's ticking down while you're trying to solve these, this mystery and clues on how to get out. What I love about God is that he is very personal with us. And Peter is telling us right here, we can escape. In fact, if we're believers in Christ, we have escaped the corruption of this world by believing in Jesus. That is our escape. Without Jesus, yes, anxiety, our own strategies that usually just lead to panic. And yeah, is there a clock and a timer? Yeah, there is a clock and a timer for each one of us, but we don't know when that clock and timer is going to stop. And so we need to daily, as followers of Christ, we need to daily live for him and his kingdom. It's not a once a week thing. It's not once in a while when you feel like it. As a believer in Christ, you need to daily live for him. Every day. Well, I have a job. Yes, that job is a gift from God to provide for you and your family. Well, I want to go well, if you go, then invite him. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. I don't necessarily need to pay to be stressed out or have anxiety. It's actually fun. It sounds fun to me. I would actually probably go. So you can invite me to go if you want. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, which was, which was okay, I have to say, like I'm standing right here, and that announcement comes up. I'm like, cringe. And, I'm, and I, Marcy, Pastor Marcy and I are making eye contact like, please stop, Toby. Please stop. Please stop. You guys show your appreciation all the time. Just showing up is appreciation. And we're doing this together. So, yeah. Make a lot of cups for Pastor Marcy. Okay? A lot of cups for her. She deserves it. So the good news is that we have the opportunity to escape the world of corruption, because Jesus shows us the way. Jesus is the way, according to Jesus. He says, you want to go to heaven? You want to have eternal life? You want to have a life that is complete? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to know God? You want to have a relationship with the creator of the universe that when you are driving and you see a sunrise, you see mountains, you see trees, you're at the ocean, wherever is your happy place, then yes, you can know God, Jesus said, but you have to know him. You have to come to me first. Because in and of ourselves, we cannot have eternal life. We cannot have an abundant life. Now, usually when we think of an abundant life, we think of cash money. That's not abundance, according to the Bible. 
I know plenty of people who are, are plenty abundant. And they're miserable because they don't have Jesus in their life. They don't have the way. They don't know the way. They don't know that there's an escape from the corruption of this world. And Peter is telling us, we have escaped the corruption of this world by following Jesus. Because what does Jesus do? He comes and meets us exactly where we're at, and he will work on our insides before he works on our outsides. And so the evil desires that we have, I'm not going to say we had, some of those, yes, but there are still some. He's working on those and removing those as he draws us closer to him. As, we, as those things boil to the top, he just, it's, it's because, you know, the Bible does say that it's like we're like gold and he's purifying us. And so what do you do with gold? You heat it up and all those impurities come to the top and you just swipe off all the impurities. And so what it leaves is even more precious than before. God does make it personal. He has given us everything we need to live this life for him and his kingdom. Our hosts this morning have a little card. We're going to take just a moment. It's not going to take us too long. As soon as you get this card in a pen, can you start filling it out? This is my top three needs. You're not going to hand, I'm not going to read them, so you don't, don't, you don't have to put your name on them. I don't want to find it. Just, this is for you personally. Hey, these are my top three needs. So as you get, the, get, your, get a pen and get this piece of paper, can you just go ahead and start filling that out? My <coughs> top three needs. Go ahead and make it personal. God has made it personal. Hmm. My top three needs. Some of you might say, I, I need the Mariners to go to the World Series. That's not a need. I'll win the World Series. That's even better. My top three needs. And as you're contemplating, I'm going to just, just share with you. Peter says that God has given us everything we need to live this life for him and for his kingdom. And even as you write this morning your top three needs, I do want to say that your top three needs on your card might not be God's top three needs for you. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer to hear. I thought we were talking about good news. It is good news because he knows us and he sees us and he... He recognizes the need. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody and it's really obvious to you what they need and then they're telling you their needs and you're like, actually, you're not even close. Can I, can I and you ask permission, can I speak into your life? And I believe that's what God does with us. We think we know what we need, but then he comes in and says, this is what you really need. He does make it personal. Peter says it, God has given us everything we need so we can rest assured that he's with us. We can rest assured that his ways are higher than our ways. We can rest assured that he knows what we need and when we need it. There's a passage in the, in the Psalms, Psalm 139. It's probably, it's the, it's the, I mean, I heard about the gospel. I heard about the good news of Jesus. <laughs> 
But I struggled personally. You guys have heard this before, but I just struggled with my identity and who I was. And I remember, I don't know who it was way back in the day, but they, they showed me, hey, why don't you read Psalm 139? And so I started reading it, and it really did, it changed my life. It, it introduced me to a whole new level of God that made me want, well, if I want to know this God. And how do I know him? I know him through Jesus. And I want to read it to you uh, out of the Message Bible, because a lot of times for me, like when I, I've been reading NIV for so long, and in, NIV, it, what I appreciate about that translation of the Bible, they are trying to, they're, they're tweaking it and they're trying to get as tight as they can to the original. But I've been reading it for so long, I just got a new Bible. They've even changed a few words in the, in the placement of the words. They didn't change the Bible, but just trying to get more accurate to exactly to the original. So sometimes when I'm reading, I get caught up, in, even when I'm reading from up front, I'm so used to reading in my old Bible, it throws me off because I just start getting in a routine and start saying the words like, oh, that's not what he's saying here. But I want to read to you out of the Message Bible, uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson, uh, before we went, went to heaven, um, translated the Bible. This is parts uh, of Psalm 139. I am an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you are there. I look ahead and you are there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much. Too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I could go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. And if I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. When I said to myself, oh man, he even sees me in the dark. And I used to be afraid of the dark, big time. And when I read this, I was like, oh, I don't have to be afraid because he's here with me. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shape me first inside and then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration with, with a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an, like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one. Your thoughts. How rare and how beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. God is with us. 
And he has given us, Peter is telling us that God has given us everything we need. And it's through his divine power. I saw the slide this morning for the Adult and Teen Challenge auction and gala thing. If you have some cash to be able to go to that, go and support those men and women in the area that ha- at the houses. They deserve for us to come alongside them and encourage them in their faith. Most of them, it's a brand new, newfound faith. They're exciting to hang around. I love it when they're in the house here. God is with us. He is for us. He's given us everything we need. It might not be the needs on your card, but because he's God, he sees the need, and he'll meet that need when you come before him. He knows us. He is with us, and he provides for us. Yes, we live in a corrupt world, but Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. There will be trouble in this world, Jesus said. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He told his disciples that right before, not, not long before, he was going to go off and be arrested. And what he gave them was, hey, the reason why I'm telling you this, the reason why I'm telling you that there's going to be trouble in this world is because I'm going to send you my peace. And my peace will be with you during the midst, in the midst of that trouble. That's good news. Can you stand with me? I encourage you to take your cards with you and just, and just pray over those um, this week. And maybe when you pray, I want to get radical here, don't say anything. And just listen for a while. I don't know how often, you know, that's prayer. Because that's conversation, that's relationship with God. Prayer is not just us sitting down and rattling off our list and then moving on. It's, it's time spent. And so take your need card this week. If you need another card, we have them. You might want to just cross off one, two, three, and you go four, five, six. And then get another card, seven, eight, nine, whatever you need to do. I pray that your top three needs will be met, but I also pray that God's top three for you will be met as well. So God, I do pray this morning. God, we're thankful for your word that you give us an escape out of a corrupt world, and that is through Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in our hearts For those who have not made that decision to step out of that corrupt world and into an amazing world that we just read about in Psalm 139. I pray for our courage to be able to step out of a corrupt world and step in and walk with you through Jesus. I thank you that your word says it's not by our might It's not by our power, but it's by your spirit. It's your divine power has given us everything we need. We don't have to work for it, pay for it, earn it. But God, it's your divine power. You're the one who chose us. You're the one who calls us first fruits, the best. And so God, may we walk in that this week. May we take that on personally. 
may we not just leave it here today, but we would carry it with us. That we would live for your kingdom every day. Living for you first, yes. But living for your kingdom, God. We, again, say thank you for giving us everything we need. Giving us everything we need. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I just say next week, really excited about uh, our service already. Um, we're going to have three of our own. Uh, we're going to call it Three Sermon Sunday. And so three of our own are going to get up and share their hearts uh, with you. And uh, really excited about that. Okay? Don't forget to fill out a cup for Pastor Marcy. All right? All right. God bless you. <laughs>